Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. Today we'll be joined by Klaus Potsch again who will take us through Acts 27. As part of our series through the book of Acts, we will learn what Paul did encounter in the different parts of his journey to Rome. What can we learn from this story when it comes to changing circumstances in our lives? How does Paul's assurance in God amidst danger serve as a testimony of faith? Well, to find out more, let's listen to Klaus. A prayer has been said already for the sermon, but let me just continue. Lord Father, thank you that we can assemble here. Thank you that you gave us your word and give us open ears and open hearts to absorb and and listen to the content and your message and uh, let us apply it in the future. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we are talking about the cruise of Paul to Rome. Can I have a picture, please? Thank you. The question is, is the cruise a vacation or a business trip for Paul? I'd rather say a business trip. And for vacation, we take a trip like this now. But at that time, it was a little bit different. And I will try to lead you into the circumstances and describe how hard life was at that time. And a little bit uh, like to present the whole story from the perspective of Paul. I, Paul, always wanted to go to Rome, but it took me a while to get there. There was a time where I had no idea how it will happen, and I didn't know how to book the ticket. I was on my missionary trips in Asia Minor and in Greece, and I came finally back to Jerusalem and visited James and all the congregation there. But there were, I, on my missionary trips, I felt and experienced a lot of opposition. And Jerusalem, a hometown, it wasn't any different. People came from Asia Minor and told fake facts, fake news. Like, you shouldn't obey the Mosaic law anymore. The Greeks said, well, we're not supposed to eat meat from the idols. Of course, that's a personal thing. But... I consulted with James, the head of the Jerusalem church. What should I do? Well, it wasn't easy. They thought, James said, well, um, the best is you leave Jerusalem and and go somewhere else because here's opposition. They, They want to arrest you. They're after your life. But Paul, I, Paul, went to the temple, did the week of cleansing, and spoke to the people. And what did I hear? Away with him! Away with him! Does this sound familiar? I remember how we cried before Easter time, crucify him, crucify him. Well, nothing different. The story, not point by point, repeated itself, but it it was similar. I faced, had to face the Sanhedrin, They dragged me to the highest court of the Jews 
And there were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Sadducees didn't believe in, in resurrection. The Pharisees just clung with fists and, and, and claws to the law. And so I played the game. I kind of made them hostile against each other, which saved me a little bit. Yeah, but still the cries away with him wasn't gone. And finally, there was an uproar, and the Roman centurion in Jerusalem heard about it, sent soldiers into the, the assembly to the high court, and saved me. They took me to the barracks, and there was such a noise that nobody knew what was going on, and the Romans didn't understand the, the issues. So this, they dragged me into the barracks and, and st tried starting to flog me. But I told them, is it lawful to flog a Roman citizen? No. But every time I was able to speak in the Sanhedrin and later on, every time I was confronted with issues, God gave me the opportunity to share my, my testimony. What I experienced on the way from Jerusalem to Damascus on the road. The appearance of Jesus. And... God strengthened me. One night he said, Take courage, for you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. That means I knew the cruise is booked. But which ship should I go on? Well, then I was in the hands of the Romans, and they brought me in night time with a, really a lot of soldiers, about 200 soldiers and 70 horsemen towards Caesarea and a, a distance away from Jerusalem and then we walked the rest and I ended up at Felix the governor he listened to my message to my testimony but since this was towards the end of his office period he said well I don't make my hands dirty. I don't want any troubles. I wait for the next governor, and I don't decide. Yeah, isn't that easy? Yeah. Sometimes I think it, this could happen in any administration nowadays over the globe. So the next governor was Festus. He wanted he wanted to send me back to Jerusalem to the court there. But they said, no, I don't go to Jerusalem. That's not a good place for me. People are against me. And he said, I appeal to Caesar. I was determined to go to Rome because appealing to Caesar, meaning at a court in Rome. And Festus said, you have appealed to Caesar. To Caesar you shall go. And then Festus and Agrippa, the king, the Jewish king, had a conversation about me. And I was um, given the opportunity to fend myself before Agrippa. He and Bernice, his wife, listened carefully to my message, the risen Jesus, but made no decision personally. Yeah? He was interested, he understood everything. They said that they called the Christian movement at that time the way, as it was translated in Acts. And the outcome of this legal ping-pong, I remember we sent Jesus also from the Jewish court to the Romans and back. And he, 
to and back. And at, at the end, Agrippa said to Festus, this, might have, this man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Would, would this have helped my cause? No, I would not have been able to go to Rome and I would not be safe because everybody is after me in Israel. Well, so we went to on our cruise. So, oh, sorry. Yeah. You see here, we started out with sailing along the coast. It looks almost like sightseeing. Along Phoenicia, nice places, old towns. I was um, familiar with all the, uh, the, along the coast. Yeah. This is here, Cilicia, this Tarsus. This is my hometown. So I knew the area well, and I was happy. It was easy going. And the Julius, the centurion, he was responsible for me. And we kind of were on the same wavelength. We understood each other. Julius understood that I was not convicted of anything. I was not condemned. So he trusted me and said, well, if you want to, see them, when, if you want to visit your friends, go and visit your friends, have, have a nice time, but returns definitely to the boat. Well, this is what I did. But going to Rome, just there was no direct liner from Caesarea to Rome, so we had to change carrier, which we did in Myra. No, this was too fast. So Myra, been there, done that, I can remember because I have the pictures at home. Nice place, cultural site, many people, nice place to stay. So we uh, changed to a um, new carrier and we continued the cruise on an Alexandrian grain ship. That was pretty big, yeah. Commentaries said, a footnote, yeah? Commentary said, these were the dimensions of the boat, but I tell you, 40 meters long, 10 meters wide, and we find out later in the text that 276 people were on board. So, if the boat would have been a rectangle, 40 times 10 makes 400, and a little bit less, if everybody stands on deck, one square meter per person, pretty crowded. Maybe there was some below deck, maybe, okay. But the longest estimate, I think, was that this boat was 100 meter long. And I concluded a little bit from, I've been on, on a, a few sailing turns. Last one was last year. We had 11, um, a boat for five people, 17 meter long, but it could house 11 people. So to give an idea, and, and uh, you slept like this. Yeah? The, the place was pretty narrow. But that's the time, and we don't know exactly. But to give an idea, they had sails. And as a cargo ship, I did not expect that they would have oars. Like, it's like the war, warships where they had oars to, to have speed, even when there was no wind, they could move. So... What did we do? We changed to such a ship. Nice to do. 
And what I also want to understand, 40 meter long, are there boards 40 meter long? No, you have to have several boards over the length. So that means the whole ship, the construction was not very stable. So in a storm, you understand when Paul says at the end, uh, I, Paul, say at the end, I can tell you I've been in three shipwrecks. So, well, sometimes they fall apart. We changed to the, this, and we, we go from Mura to Knidos and then to Fair Havens. And the sailing in the beginning was a little bit slow. And I tell you, this is disappointing when you're sitting in a sailboat, you have a want to go somewhere, and you're just not moving on. Yeah. Well, I call this at one regatta when it's this little wind, you have microwaves. Yeah. Not really wind. And it was already September, close to Yom Kippur. We find this out in, in verse 9. And after reaching Fair Havens, we waited a few days for better wind. Uh, because we expected strong autumn wind and winter storms, and the captain was looking for a harbor to stay over winter. The crew got into lengthy discussion what to do, stay or move on. And I felt I had to put my, not my two cents, but my two denarii in. So I said to them, Men, I perceive that the voyage will certainly be with damage and great loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion and the captain and the, and the pilot had a strong discussion what to do. And they didn't listen to me because they said, such a land rat, Paul, we don't listen to him. We are the expert. We know where to sail, how to sail, when to sail. And as they said, the harbor was not suitable for staying over winter time. Could have been that the harbor was small, housing was not available. Consider 276 people were on board. Yeah? And this probably was, was not the only boat or ship there. So they were pretty bored in, in such a lonely place to stay winter time. So they said, well, let's go further. And it's interesting, you know. I, th I had not a direct voice from God telling, my, uh, telling them my opinion, but footnote, when I was a young Christian and I was in a discussion, I had really, I'm after, I lost it a little bit, spiritual antenna when God was speaking. In a discussion, there could have been someone, even a non-Christian said something and instantly it struck me, I said, oh, that's from God. And what, what I said definitely could have been directly from God, but it, it was just placed in my mind, the idea, what do we do? We will get into, into damage. This was a foresight, and it, will have, and it will happen, as we will see. Now we're coming to the cruise uh, and continue the cruise from Fair Havens to Malta. We're getting into a storm. We continued sailing with moderate south winds from Crete. South winds coming from here, so they sailed along the, we sailed along the coast to Cauda. And then suddenly the wind changed. And Arakilo K 
came up, and it, this is a cyclonic tempestus north wind blowing in the Mediterranean. See, cyclonic mid, it was a low pressure system. Low pressure systems turned like this. In the front, you have the warm, sec warm, wind, uh, warm temperature sector, and at the back of the, of the low pressure system is the cold wind coming. And in the, between those two is the rain front. And the center of the cyclone must have been southeast, because when the wind is coming from northwest, the center must have southeast, because it turns like this. And what happened? We went into this northeastern wind, and the wind blew us towards, towards Africa, to the Syrte. And the Syrte, there's known that there are sandbanks, and we didn't want to run on a sandbank. And so we slowed, tried to slow down the speed of the boat. That is done when you throw anchors from the, from the stern so that you reduce the speed. So they threw some anchors and we got rid of some of the cargo. And yeah. We got rid of the tackle, and it was thrown overboard. Tackle is German tackelage. Yeah? Um, they were uh, without tackle. It was difficult to maneuver because the rudder in the bank was at that time for the people pretty small. You you can steer a little bit with the sails, but you need also the rudder in the bank. And if you don't have the sails, half of the uh, maneuvering gear or, or opportunities is gone. So we were all at the mercy of the storm and, and what God allowed us to happen and experienced. This was on day three. On day four, four storm continued. Day five, storm continued. We were hardly sleeping because we were all afraid. Day five, day six, storm continued. No sleeping, no eating. We were hungry because people kind of got rid of some of, of their food that they had already half digested. And I remember when I was the first time, footnote, yeah, when I was the first time, my father took me um, to Kors, Korsika in German, and we crossed from Nice to, to Calvi and on the, on the trip back, it was nighttime and the ship was rolling like this, yeah? It's not like you stomping, but you were rolling. And this really gets on the, on the stomach. So probably they experienced the same thing. Day seven, storm continued. No sleeping, no eating, just holding on to something. Day eight to 12, another five days, storm continued to blow for several days. And many days later, getting rid of hope, finally. So they get lost of, get, um, got rid of the cargo, the, the takelage, the tacking, and now of getting rid of hope. So they sat there, just let's, waiting for something to happen. And it is a desperate situation. And I tell you, I've been sailing also in a desperate situation. I had a, at some point when I was young, I had a little sailboat, you know, ten, five meter long, very stable, heavy, 200 kilos, 10 meter, square meter sailing area. And it was, sailing uh, competitions, regattas on Neusiedlersee, Lake Neusiedlers. And 
it was a strong wind, both for seven. If you know, I don't know about the Beaufort scale. If you look at the sea and you see a little white crest on the waves, that's Beaufort 4. If the, the metal parts, you can hear them whistling, or at the mountain cabin, you hear the wind whistling, that is from Beaufort 5 up, and we had 7. I was sailing for my life. <laughs> so, the captain is out of business, because the ship couldn't be maneuvered. So the captain wasn't the captain anymore, and I, Paul, felt I had to take over, spiritually take over. And I had enough of the storm. So I approached the captain and let my anger out and frustration and said to the captain, Men, you ought to have followed my advice and not to have set sails for Crete and incurred this damage and loss. He looked a little bit concerned to me, and I felt I need to tell him what I experienced during the last night. An encouragement was in place. Yet now I urge you to keep your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night, an angel of the Lord, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood before me, and saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep courage, men, for I believe, God, that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. So, good news. In the, mid, in the midst of the storm. And this is the first time they listened to me. I did not mention what God would do further on, but now at least they, they understood that there was a higher force. Again, Paul, I, Paul, had the opportunity to get a little bit my message across. God is stronger than the storm. But I'm... But he said that we must be, the shipwreck is foretold. When I said to them, we must run aground on a certain island. We are in the night 14. Can you imagine 14 days in a storm? The clouds were there day and night. Don't know where you're going. You, you don't know. Did the wind change, yes or not? You were just going with the wind. Remember, I said, a certain island. And when they heard a certain island, they thought, okay, an island, land must be close. So they took a weight hanging on a thread or a little rope and measured the depth. That knots from time to time, and the distance of the knots was a fathom, yeah? I don't know how long how long, how long a fathom is, but I guess not longer than a meter, a yard, a foot, something like that. And the sailor said, we have been driven into the Adriatic Sea. Do you know what that, what that meant? The Adriatic Sea is up here. So it was not a direct line. The direct distance would have been 500 kilometers. 
but I guess with going to the Adriatic Sea and, and down and all the zigzagging towards Africa, it was almost double, 800 kilometers, that's um, 500 nautic miles. So they said, well, we would arrive soon. So they measured the depth and the sea became shallower and they threw four anchors just to be safe, not to crash into, into the island. Uh, but some did not trust me and believe my words. That's always the case. Whether, when you give your testimony or say something, some would say, either I don't want to hear, or I cannot hear, I cannot believe, and so on. And what did they do? Every ship has a big ship, has a little boat with which you go, when you throw the anchor outside, you go ashore. So they thought, okay, land is in sight or close. We get into the boat and we move towards this island and save ourselves. But I said to myself, there is in the, in, in the scripture, there's a verse in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. These people who got in the little boat, they had not read this verse. Maybe they were not Jews and they didn't know about the law and the prophets and the scripture and thought they can save themselves. They tried to save them, but I said, Ah, sorry, this is the. Doesn't work. Ah, yeah. Well, but I told them either all get saved or nobody gets saved. So they said, better all than nobody. And they cut the rope and let this little dinghy float and left that behind. And on the morning of the 15th day, we had not been, they had, we have not been eating for two weeks now. So I said to them, get something into your stomach. Because remember this, you need something in your stomach to be also spiritually strong. Not only physically strong, but spiritually strong. We were all exhausted. I urged everybody to eat. I blessed the food. And the captain didn't even mind me giving orders. He said, okay, this guy must know now because he has probably some connection to God. He mentioned his God. Better believe in his God than my God. And so we, we ate. There must have been left some supplies in the boat because I remember in the beginnings that we threw some cargo overboard to be lighter. Okay. And the idea in the beginning was to throw so much overboard is that the waves wouldn't just crush over, over the, the railing and we would sink. Yeah. And after eating, we, we threw the rest of the cargo of the wheat overboard to be um, uh, on our way. And in day 15, finally, there was land in sight. Finally, the crew tried to drive the ship on shore, yeah, on shore perpendicular, just to so get stuck. You're safe, you don't move anymore, hop overboard. 
paddle a little bit towards the shore and uh, you're there where you want. But the ship struck a reef, became immovable, the prow got struck, and the stern, the bank, was slowly breaking off by the force of the waves. But now comes a difficult situation. Land is inside. There is Paul, that's me, with some other prisoners and soldiers and other, other guests on the ship. And in ancient Rome, every soldier that went with a prisoner was personally responsible for the life of the prisoner. If the prisoner would escape, the soldier would, have, would lose his life because this life is gone, so they demanded his life. So what was the outcome of that? The centurion knew that, and he said, we don't kill anybody, because they thought, well, we'll kill all the, the prisoners so that we survive, the soldiers. But God had in mind to save everybody, and that was a good idea of the, of the centurion, because he wanted to deliver me safely and alive to Caesar. Good. And he gave the order, those who can swim, hop into the water and swim ashore, and the rest who cannot swim, cling to something, because the ship was already breaking apart, cling to something and will get you to the shore. And so it happened that not a soul was lost. Uh -huh, this is a little bit... We're coming now to the summary, the end of chapter 27 of Acts. And what do we learn? There are times of smooth sailing in your life, and there's times of rough sailing in your life. Can you agree? Good. Some people trust you. I said when you give your testimony, some people trust you and some don't. And some people don't listen. And you cannot always fight the circumstances. Remember the storm? You cannot maneuver anymore. You cannot decide which, which direction you go. But you should trust God and your own assessment. You, the only way to get safety is keep up your earthly lifeboat. The earthly lifeboat, what I call, is to give up your understanding that you can handle yourself and you can be master of your life. You can be the master. Uh, the better uh, way is to leave it to God and He will trust fully to God and He will give you finally eternal life. Even under pressure, you need to eat. And you will survive either through your abilities or strength or by holding on to whatever is at hand. Your own strength is you try to swim and or what is at hand, you cling to a piece of wood or whatever you have, maybe the money, your savings or whatever. And... At the end, 
God keeps his promises. So this would be the end, but we're not in Rome yet. There's an epilogue. What did we do? We had a warm welcome. People welcomed us. It's, it was nice. Nowadays in Lampedusa, another island in this area, those shipwrecked people are not always welcome because there are so many. You have to feed them, transport them away from the island. And what else? There was an, there was an uh, incident. I was, I was bitten by a snake, a viper. And first they thought, people thought, well, this guy is a murderer because a snake bit him. And then it didn't harm me at all. So they thought, oh, he's a god. You know, day and night, how the, the, the opinion of people changes. It's interesting. Finally, we got uh, experienced a reception at the house of the leading man, Publius, whose father I healed, and then came all the other people from the island from healing. Well, we were staying there three months. I had enough ample time to heal everybody. And at the end, there was the end of the winter break, three months. And then we, we continued sailing three days towards Syracuse. Syracuse, um, and then from there to Regium Calabria. This is the Strait of Messina, pretty strong currents there, but we managed to go. And then we continued to Puteoli. That's here. And you wonder why didn't they sail towards Rome? Rome was not at the coast. The harbor of, of Rome was Ostia, and that was a swampy area, Harbor wasn't deep, yeah, and malaria and all, not very pleasant environment. So all the big ships landed at Puteoli, and then people uh, moved, and goods were carried over via Appia towards Rome. And this was still 274 kilometers, and we arrived, and you know what happened. I could visit friends along the way. People heard of me already ahead of time, and then I arrived in Rome. The rest is in the chapter 28 of Acts. Thank you very much. <laughs>